Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Just a couple of quick notes. First off, we are spoiling Orange is the New Black in this episode, including the ending. So if you don't want to be spoiled, you may not want to listen. And also just some quick trigger warnings. Trigger warning for mentions of suicide, mentions of sexual abuse, uh, mental illness. Um, also, we do go into great detail about uh, Black Lives Matter and about cops murdering black men and women. So if that is triggering for you, you might want to skip this one. Thanks. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. We are continuing our celebration of Pride Month with a discussion about the show Orange is the New Black. So this should be a very interesting, fun conversation, I think. And I'm just saying that because I know I have a lot of issues with this show, but I thought it was an important one to discuss because of the sexuality that it does deal with. Uh, but we will, of course, be talking about those moments that really angered a lot of people, including me and one of the reasons I stopped watching the show. I did go back to it, watch the final season. I watched the final episode a couple hours before we started this, and I actually was crying. I was a wreck. I was really surprised. I was like, oh, I'm back invested in these characters' lives again. <laughs> so I was like, maybe not the best thing to watch right away, although it keeps this fresh. But <laughs> anyway, so this should be fun. And I got a great, great panel with me. So before I introduce them, just a quick note. Uh, I am always bringing this up way in advance. But remember, we're going to be doing a Halloween trivia event. We're still ironing out some details. We actually just had a great meeting about it. And look for signups to begin August 1st. This is a team event, maximum of two people. So just two people on a team. This should be a ton of fun. I'm really excited about it. So look for more info on that really soon. And then the other thing is, remember, we are doing live streams. And the live stream that will be happening since this is airing next Friday will be, we are covering a fic, which I, which I was quote unquote bullied into doing. <laughs> Judy's so excited. <laughs> um, Carla and Meg were like, we're going to talk about 91 whiskey. And I was like, oh, okay, fine, fine. <laughs> so we're going to do a live stream talking about that with Carla, Meg, Judy, and Tanya. So that's tomorrow night. So, and that will not, actually, it's not going to be tomorrow night. It's going to be in the afternoon. I'll let you, everybody know the exact time. We haven't solidified that yet. Okay, so I'm going to go around and ask everybody what they're into right now in pop culture. Start with you, Erin. I am so excited because new shows have been coming back to Netflix. 
So there's a lot to watch all of a sudden. Um, but what I've been watching this week is the new season of Ragnarok, which I don't know if you guys have seen that. Um, it's a Norwegian show, but it's really Netflix is great because it dubs stuff because I can't deal with the subtitles. I know I'm uncultured, <laughs> but and it's based on, I don't know, it's weird, the small town in Norway and kind of the the old gods are being re- reincarnated um, into people in this town and just like the chaos that it's causing and um, also deals a lot with like climate change issues, believe it or not. It's a weird combination, but it works. And it's really good. And also I'm super excited about the new and final season of Kim's Convenience, which I haven't had time to start watching, but I'm sadly, sadly, it's the last season, but I'm really excited. Awesome. Yeah, I've got to watch that. And every time you say Ragnarok, I'm thinking Thor. So I'm like, there's a show. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's the same general concept, just not like as dreamy as (laughs) our Thor. (laughs) Thank you. And Judy? Hi, yeah. Okay. So I know I'm a little bit late to the game on this one, but I finally went and watched um, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist and I loved it. (laughs) Um, I mean, I know I'm very late because if anybody has heard me on any of these things, you know that if there's a musical, I am there. (laughs) So I don't know why it took me so long, but um, yeah, I finally started watching it just finished it uh, a week or so ago, the the most recent season. And um, I just adore it. It's just so cute. And the the songs are sweet and and touching. And uh, it's interesting, though, because not all this, not all the actors are the best singers. (laughs) But still, it's it's really just just an adorable, fun show. So and and I st- and I am into musicals too and music mm-hmm. and I still have not watched this show so I am even later to the game than you are and I okay. know I need to watch this show it's really amazing to me that I have not watched this show <laughs> and I, I know don't... Aaron has mixed feelings <laughs> well yeah I love musicals also but I don't love the music in the show I like the show <laughs> But I don't want to watch the musical numbers. <laughs> well, I, I love the choreography. Um, yeah, that's great. I'm trying to remember the choreographer's name. But, like, I love the show So You Think You Can Dance. And she's a frequent um, – that's how I learned about her. She's frequently a um, choreographer on that show. And her stuff is just always so beautiful. And she does all the choreography. And I think she's a producer on the show. Gosh, I, could, I wish I could remember her name. I feel bad. <laughs> So I, I love watching the way that they choreograph the numbers. But I, I think I understand what you're saying, Erin. Like, you know, kind of like I mentioned, they're not all the best singers. <laughs> Sometimes it's just awkward. The songs that they're singing don't really make sense in the context. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like I when they the had, show, they had I one of the characters sing, um, you know, what does the fox say? <laughs> you know, like, How was that a heart song? <laughs> but um it's just fun you know it's just a fun fluffy show Mm -hmm. so i enjoy it and that's been mentioned on here a couple of times and Mm -hmm. i know i've got to check it out at some point and i will it's on my long ever-growing list (laughs) (laughs) um and what i'm into is i finally got to go to a movie theater and aaron was with me too and I haven't been to a movie theater in 
since February, 2020. And it was just like, I really was, I don't know if Aaron knows this, but when it started, when the trailer started and you felt the movie and you could hear the sound, I was crying because it was just like me too you were good i wasn't the only one i was like i forgot how loud get misty it was. the first time i go it's just like it's just, it's just overwhelming to be back and yeah mm-hmm. i think i'll be misty too I th- yeah it was great like you see you see the trailers and you're like oh i want to go see that and you're like i can go see that and then it was like i can't deal with this yeah yeah and i really honestly had forgotten how loud movies were and even um, there was a guy and his son sitting, you know, well, not right next because they're still doing those spread out. And I even heard him say to his son, because I think it was too loud for him saying, I forgot how loud these were because <laughs> it's true. But yeah, go get vaccinated. And I, I just and it was a good movie, too. It was a lot of fun. It was stressful, but it was a good movie. <laughs> so that's what I'm into is being able to go back to movie theaters. Okay, so let's get into Orange is the New Black. So I want to just quickly just ask everybody if there's a favorite storyline or season or even moment. So we'll just start out with some positives here. Erin? I think one of my favorite storylines, my one of my favorite characters, gosh, has to be um, Tasty. She's just the sweetest. I just want to give her a hug. Um, and just terrible things keep happening to her. And she's just so positive most of the time. I mean, she's got her ups and downs, but um, she's just, she's really sweet. And I feel bad that all these terrible things keep happening to her. I mean, that goes for like a lot of, a lot of the characters though, I guess. <laughs> um, and that's kind of the point of the show is like bad things happen to good people. <laughs> I started making a list and it turned into like everybody. <laughs> really there's like stuff I like about everybody and I think one of the things I really enjoy about the show is some of the flashbacks that we see of their previous lives Um, and that kind of makes you feel for them even more especially I mean Pusey was like I think probably everyone's favorite Um, she's oh my god Um, and then the flashbacks just made it so much sadder I think and my my first thing on here, I put um, Piper. I think is my least favorite character. She's a terrible person <laughs> that makes terrible decisions. Just I, I I'm sure we all feel the same <laughs> about that. I really love the Maritza and Flaka, like their little click that they've got going on. They're just hilarious. I also really feel for Suzanne. I loved her. She just. I don't even know what to say, but Suzanne, I think, was one of my favorites as well. Um, and it really upset me every time they would say crazy eyes because I think that's like just really heartbreaking that people call her that and that the guards called her that and everybody. And I refuse. I'm not going to call her that. <laughs> her name is Suzanne and we're going to call her that. So I think everyone had really com- compelling stories. I think maybe Doggett had like one of the biggest character developments of the series, which I found really fascinating. I'm curious, did you guys, did either of you guys read the book um, before the no. show? Okay. I have. Did you, I take, you read the book? I, yes. I take issue with that. but Because that, the book was so different or? Um, yeah. The book, I wish they hadn't called the show the same name as the book because it really, 
was very, 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 very loosely based on the book. Like, yes, this privileged white lady went to prison and that's pretty much where it stopped. And the, the book, I think, made a lot of really good points about the way women are treated um, in prison and the whole system um, of how broken it is. And just in a year of what she observed and it was, it was tragic. It made me cry several times. And I feel like the show, they kind of just, I don't know, didn't do it justice. It, it just upsets me that they used the same name, I guess, because it had nothing to do with the book and it kind of made a mockery of some really serious mm-hmm. situations. So, but the book is excellent and you should go read it because it's basically not at all like the show, but it's really good. Oh, good to know. Thanks for the recommendation. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I have to agree with Aaron on a lot of that. Piper isn't my least favorite. Certainly not my first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's not. She's compl- complicated, though, right? There are times when I really like her and, you know, times when she's just trying to survive this crazy situation that she finds her in, uh, herself in. And then other times, yes, yeah, she absolutely acts like the you know, privileged white woman um and then she always has to be you know in the middle of the trouble and finding it it just she can't just settle down and you know knock out her her time more kind of more like what alex does so yeah i agree um piper is definitely problematic like i said she's not my absolute least favorite uh that that belongs to badison oh my gosh i can't every time she was on screen it was just chock you know, nails on a chalkboard. I just cannot stand that woman. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so favorites. This show, I I think it knocks it out of the park almost every single season with the season finales. Like every every season finale either had me crying, you know, with some kind of beautiful emotional thing, um, even like, you know, a kickball game, you know, you can get emotional over a kickball game or um, a jaw dropping moment, um, you know, the Christmas pageant or, you know, Rosa plowing down V, go Rosa, uh, <laughs> or the Great Lake Escape, you know, where, where these ladies who've just been cooped up just have a moment of freedom splashing in a lake, just I don't know. I think every season finale, almost every season finale was just really th- those episodes are, are ring, you know, have a very memorable for me. I agree with Aaron. I love the backstories. I think it would be very easy, you know, if they didn't have the backstories, it would be very easy to not understand these women and just, you know, see them as, criminals you know they did something to d- deserve to be there whatever um and i love how the backstories are all well not all but most <laughs> there there's something that's relatable and heartbreaking or you know who knows, there's a few that are just bad people <laughs> um that really are a danger to society but it it shows that their you know their humanity and the the complexity of their stories and i love a show that gives women such complex deep varied backgrounds and stories so yeah the 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 backstories are some of my favorite things i always just think of like you know 
the shit, the cell block tango from Chicago, <laughs> like all these women, like how many of the women are there because of not, I mean, their own decisions, of course, but something that a man did that sort of contributed mm-hmm. to, to what put them there. It's very interesting. And then also to see some of the stories that are really heartbreaking um, and about how prisons are used to house mentally ill. Um, you know, you see the stories of like Suzanne and Lolly and, and Lorna and uh, they need psychological treatment. Not necessarily. They're not a danger to society, you know? Well, I mean, Lolly did kill. So maybe, she, <laughs> maybe Lolly, <laughs> but yeah, those, those backstories and to see how, how complex these women are. That's, that's one of my favorite things. And, and Tiffany, I agree. I, I love Tiffany. Doggett. I loved her her progression. Um, she was so difficult to take in the in the early season, and you know, drove you nuts. Um, but as, to see her progress and to be so are we are we spoiling? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of to, to yeah. you know her her death at the end is just yeah that 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 one made me cry for sure after all of that progress and we see how just how much more there was to her than we think there is in the beginning um Mm -hmm. so yeah her her end just really just broke my heart yeah and especially when you find out that she actually did pass her test yes she actually did get the ged that was even more heartbreaking just because it was like she didn't think she passed that and she didn't think there was any hope of anything and then the fact that she actually did was pretty is sad. It was also a really heartwarming moment for Tasty, but it was still a sad thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, I like most of these characters except for, I, I don't like Piper at all. I just, Piper is just so selfish. She's just so self-absorbed. And especially in this last season, <laughs> it was like, I wanted to just punch her. And I loved when her parole officer was like, go to this NA meeting. You will see how lucky you are because she never seemed to get that. And I'm not saying like she was lucky when she was in prison or that her life wasn't ever hard. It's just she always seemed to think that her life was harder than everybody else's. That's a lot of the impression she gave. And it was almost like she didn't quite learn anything. She just became kind of a brat in a way. And I'm mixed on Alex. I'll be honest. I'm, I have very mixed feelings on Alex because I like Alex. But at the same time, I kind of was, I think it's because I didn't like her with Piper because I didn't like Piper. So I just kind of thought they had a toxic relationship and shouldn't have been together at all. But I agree about Tasty. I love Tasty. And and I think it's just because it's so fresh in my mind. But I thought it was really interesting watching her in the final season because the whole time you're just worried because she's planning on killing herself every episode I was worried that she was going to kill herself and I think that would have been I think the show makes a lot of mistakes but I think that would have been one of the biggest mistakes they could have made if they would have had her kill herself and I just loved that there were so many moments that it was almost like someone was watching over her and you know I mean whatever your belief system is maybe it was even Pusey who was watching over her and saying no you're not going to do this 
but there would be moments where she would have flashbacks, uh, like when the light was flickering in the hall and she had a flashback to the choice that she made when she was out of prison briefly, which it just broke my heart when she was out of prison and then came back. But that's such a typical thing. That's so typical that when prisoners get out, because people like to think you go to prison to be reformed, but it just makes you either a better criminal or it just makes it really hard for you when you get out and there's no ways to really mend that or to, you know, that's why I loved that Tasty was putting together that program in the name of Pusey, which actually I guess is a real program. So that's pretty awesome and amazing. And that's a great thing to do. And I really actually liked her relationship with Caputo. I thought that was an interesting storyline because he was an interesting character to watch too, because I mean, the main focus should be on the women, of course, but I think he was interesting because he was such an up and down character. Like you weren't sure if you should actually like this guy. And of course he had the me too moment in, you know, <laughs> the thing, but he would also have these moments where he was just, he genuinely wanted to help these women towards the end. That was genuinely what he wanted to do. And I think his heart was really in it, especially uh, when he did the um, formative justice, when he did that program with them, I think you could really see he was doing that because he wanted to make a difference because I think he felt for so long that he was helping in this system that's so messed up. So I thought his storyline was interesting to watch. I think Lorna is an interesting character because on one hand, I feel for her. And on the other hand, I just want to shake her at times. And just it's just so hard because she lives in such a different world and an alternate reality all the time. And I thought she was going to kill herself, too. I was like waiting for that any minute. I was like, she's going to kill herself. Uh, but watching her struggling with the fact that her baby had died and not accepting that. And she never accepts that. And she always lives in that different world. And, of course, Suzanne, I, I love Suzanne. You know, it's. It is true with mentally ill, the mentally ill, they are a lot of times just shoved away into a prison system where they shouldn't be or shoved away into a state psychiatric facility unless those places are shut down. And those are still not necessarily places that are very good. So, yeah, we're going to get into a little bit of that with the way they treat mental illness in this show and the depictions of mental illness and the way people are treated. Um, but yeah, I pretty much like almost all of the women with the exception of like Piper and a couple of the others, but most of them I think are really interesting. I think Red is really interesting. I think it was interesting to watch her while she's, you know, suffering from the on stages of Alzheimer's or dementia. And that was really sad to watch, especially when she was trying to cook and that was just really heartbreaking because that was like her heart and soul was cooking and watching her not remembering things was really, really painful to watch. But yeah, I think, I think even though I have issues with this show, I do think there are a lot of topics that they actually handle well and don't always glorify. Uh, the one that I think they do will get to, but I think for the most part, sometimes they do push the envelope in a great, in a good way. And it is nice to see a show where the women outnumber the men on the cast. That is pretty remarkable and incredible. And then it's not just white women. So, and it's not just white stick figure women. So that is a nice thing to see. So I do want to give them big props for that because that is really awesome and more realistic than, you know, if other if people were to make a prison movie, they'd probably be like, okay, we're going to put all these really hot wayfish white women in here and they're going to all have sex together and it's going to be amazing. 
<laughs> so you're confusing with real life with porn. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. But I think like some people would want to see that, like, you know, the salaciousness and stuff. So let's get into that, though, the sexuality, because that's part of the, that's one of the reasons I wanted to cover this show during this month. Because, of course, a lot of these women that they have, they are either they're lesbian or bi. Probably some of them are probably pan, too, as well. They don't necessarily go into that. And, of course, we have, of course, we have a trans character in here who is a main character. I missed a lot of when she got out of prison. But I know that they show her in the final season. And I was excited to see her, like, in a very successful high-end salon. That was so awesome. Um, so they do have a lot of different spectrums and a lot of different LGBTQIA plus representation in this show. So how do you think they handled that overall, Erin? Yeah, I think I think it was great. I'm kind of upset that we didn't get to see more of Sophia and her business. It was just kind of like a little note. I think in the last episode, we didn't really see her. I mean, I think Piper went to go see her one time. Mm-hmm, we got to see yeah. the salon. I still, it's really sad the way that they treated her she only got out because that they you know traumatized her and they gave her a settlement and let her out early but like is that worth it which all that stuff that she went through i mean it was just terrible but i think overall i think they did a great a great job there wasn't any shame generally associated with anything that anybody wanted to do like live your life you know I don't know. I guess I never really thought about about it that much, but that just could be, again, like my privileged white lady life that I live of like, you know, do what you want. And uh, I've always been able to do what I want. And I get that other people can't do that. I don't know if it was like a major plot, I guess, other than like we kind of talked about Piper and Alex and I hate them together. They're just terrible. And <laughs> Just, I can't, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have a lot to say about it. I think that it was great that people can do what they want. And I, I, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Judy. I, I love that. um, And I think it was really refreshing and really groundbreaking um, to see a TV show that was just like unflinching about, showing such a broad spectrum of sexuality because a lot of times, you know, you've got the gay sidekick, you know? <laughs> um, but for this um, you have everything from, you know, completely zero on the, on the scale straight women, you know, from like red. And I think it's just, it was kind of adorable when like Flaka and Maritza were like, let's try kissing and see. And they were just like, no, no, not for us. And that's fine. You know, that's Mm -hmm. great, too. And then you also, you know, have the other end of the spectrum, you know, with with lesbians and bisexual women. And and they also range from the very, you know, from the feminine to the very butch. I mean, you just have the whole range and even just these sort of I'm not sure if this is the right word, but opportunistic. You know what I mean? Like this is the situation I'm in. Right now, I may be straight while I'm out, but I need human companionship and human attention. Uh, humans need that and, and love, you know, people like maybe um, 
Lorna um, with, with Nikki. And so I just love how it really shows this whole spectrum and variety of ways that human sexuality can be expressed, you know, and, and of course, then, then we have uh, Sophia who's just amazing and completely underutilized on the show. Like I, mm-hmm. why? I mean, she's such a great character and, and definitely underutilized. I loved her to death and her relationship with sister. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, what was her name? Ingalls, Sister Ingalls, just loved that so much. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I and maybe I love Sister Ingalls so much because I uh, grew up Catholic, and my mother's actually an ex nun. <laughs> so oh, really? I, just, I, I just loved it up. Yeah, yeah. I know that's a very unique backstory. <laughs> <laughs> but Sophia, she's probably one of the first uh, transgender uh, women that a lot of people watched on like a mainstream show that was super popular and she was a character that you loved and you you cared about and you rooted for and i think that the way that they wrote her and the way that they uh presented her character as such a interesting and good and and character that you really wanted to root for i think it really humanized trans women for a lot of people that maybe had had not um, known a, known someone in their own life, or maybe they didn't know that they knew somebody mm-hmm. in their own life. But you know, if you people start to care about and understand what they see, so bringing bringing characters like Sophia into everyone's living room on a mainstream show, I think, is just so important. And I think I think they did a good job of of making people love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially it was important that it was played that Laverne Cox played her, and oh, Laverne amazing. Cox is a is a trans woman, and so to have a trans woman playing this character is so so important. Mm-hmm. So that was also incredible. Yeah, and Laverne Cox is just she's she's just incredible. She's a really great actress. She's very gifted. Yeah, and I agree, Judy. She was underutilized for sure. For sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they needed Especially more. in the later seasons, like she was barely there. Mm-hmm. Ugh, too bad. <laughs> and her backstory was great too. I loved her mm-hmm. backstory as well. I thought that was, it was really sad and tragic, um, but it was really, a lot of the backstories are sad and tragic of how a lot of the women got there. But I loved um, her relationship with her wife. Like yes, that yes. was such a great thing to show mm-hmm. that, coming out as, as trans and having your gender reassignment doesn't necessarily mean, you know, this tragic end to all of your relationships and the people that you love. I mean, I know people in my life who have, were married and, and came out and they, they stayed married, you know, they, it, it, it can't be done. And I just think it was, it was an interesting and a a really good thing to show how supportive her wife hit, yeah, how supportive, I can't think of her name, but how supportive she was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, angry, angry, of course, um, but still supportive. And she defended her and she forced Caputo to do the right thing by her. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah very true. And that's very important to see, too. Yeah, I, I think what the show does right about sexuality is 
and like you were saying, Judy, is really it shows how fluid sexuality can be and that it's not always just, you know, you're either straight or you're gay and it doesn't always work like that. And that's the way sexuality isn't always like that. Uh, and especially with having moments where people, they are lonely and they crave attention. Like you take the character Daya and she's not someone, uh, you know, and, and I think that relationship that she had was also about business as well. And about her having power in the prison system, which her character was a very sad character to watch because she started out so innocent and sweet. And, you know, she was an artist. And of course, she had that affair with the guard and got pregnant and all that stuff. And then everything started going downhill for her. And she became so cold and hardened, which I think happens to a lot of people when they're in that situation. And you can understand it because... It's like, okay, you have to be strong and get through this, or do you become weak and quote unquote perish, or you have to find your place in that hierarchy. So I thought that was a really interesting character arc to, to follow. But with her, you know, that was really, I think more of, and I don't know for sure, but I think it was more of a moment of she was lonely and she wanted power and she was drawn in by the power that this woman held. And she did more in that death. I mean, she was indirectly responsible for that death. She didn't mean for her to die from an overdose, but she did. And so she had that guilt over that, although she kind of erased that guilt pretty quickly. But yeah, so it does show that a lot, of course, with Nikki and Lorna. And I'm glad that Nikki didn't hold a torch for Lorna through the whole series. I think that would have been really sad because Nikki deserved better than that. It was more they became best friends. And that was interesting to watch. I do, like I said, I don't like Piper and Alex together. And it's only because I think they bring out the worst in each other. And I actually think the woman, I can't remember her name now, that Piper meets after she's out of prison in the seventh season, played by Alicia Witt. Zelda, I think, wasn't okay. it? Okay. Yeah, I think that, that sounds right. I think they actually were pretty good together, and that seemed like a good fit. Uh, but of course, the way the show ends, it doesn't seem like this happens, but whatever. More bad decisions. That's what she does. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, Actually, I always thought Alex and Nikki would have been the perfect match together. And I know they kind of toyed around with that and they fooled around some and never went anywhere. I do appreciate that about this show, that it never judge, judges sexuality. It never judges anyone's sexuality. It never says that, you know, you have to be either straight or gay. There's no in-between. And so I like that because we need more representation of that. And I also love the fact that there is representation where it's not just white people who are, who have their sexuality represented where it is, you know, you have, you have, especially having like a black trans woman is pretty amazing too. That's another reason it's incredible. And that's another reason she should have been utilized more, um, but it's still great to have that um, having, you know, a lot of different women of different shapes and sizes. And um, that's also great. Just having all that, different spectrum there of representation means a lot. And while I think there's a thing that they did that also kind of makes a certain death that we're going to get to even worse at the same time, I do think that's one of the things this show did the best was their handling of representation. I know that in the book, 
and I know we were talking about this before we started, Aaron, that Piper actually never leaves the guy she was with when she goes to prison and she doesn't get back together with, because the girlfriend is still in the story, right? I mean, doesn't the actual author end up leaving her for the actress that played Buseva? The, oh, the actual I, author? I think that was, no, no, that was a writer on the show. Oh, is it a writer yeah, on the yeah, show? Yeah, she was writing. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was thinking yeah. it was like the actual <laughs> author. <laughs> that would have been really. There's so many. Yeah. <laughs> I, remember, I remember seeing that, though, that, you know, yeah. the people. Yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah, Samara Weaving did. It was one of the writers on the and, show. But she left her husband for yeah. the actress who played Jose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But is that true in the book, right? She she doesn't even pick back up with the Alex in the book. Right. Yeah. So in the book, yeah, they she gets out. She was sentenced to 15 months. She gets out in like 13 months or something. Mm-hmm. And she gets married. And I think they're still married. And, you know, in the what really happened is her and Alex were never in prison together. They oh, okay. th- so there was that part where she got sent to Chicago to testify. That was the only time that they were ever actually together in prison whenever they were in holding waiting to testify um at the trial. Oh. So yeah, the whole it's so much drama, but it's Genji Cohen that's like her thing is so much drama. So mm-hmm. yeah. 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 And that's probably part of I just want to say really quickly, I think that's part of the reason I have an issue with this show is and she does this. Like I liked weeds for like the first couple of seasons and then I gave up on weeds because it's like she likes to push the envelope, but to these ridiculous ways where she's just kind of doing it to push the envelope and there's no reason behind it. At least that's my thought on it. it, She almost gets the soap opera level if you let her go too long. Yeah, I think that's why I didn't like the season where after the riot, um, where they ended up in the other prison where there was a C block versus D block war and these two sisters were leading it. Yeah, it, it definitely delved into oh come on. Got outrageous. Yeah. 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 I could stand daddy and Badison. Yeah, like that whole season was just mm-hmm. kind of annoying. <laughs> the new yeah. guards were just the worst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's what they tend, that's what she tends to do with her shows. Mm-hmm. So that's why, like, I don't know if you watched Weeds, Judy, I didn't, but, that but was, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I, did. I know you watched it, but yeah. yeah. And I liked it for the first couple seasons and I went, oh, I'm done with this. <laughs> and it was another one where you're watching the main white woman in it where you're just kind of towards the end, you're like, oh my God. <laughs> I think there's a lot of shows like that that start That's off true. with like a really good premise and the first few seasons are really interesting mm-hmm. and then they devolve in, they devolve into ridiculous. There was yeah. a show about um polygamy on HBO Big Love. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. The first few seasons were fantastic. It was about the family and the dynamics and it was something that we never saw before. It was really interesting. And then they got into like he's running for office and trying to hide these and, like it it just got crazy. Yeah, and I stopped I, watching it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I did too. I did too. That kind of storyline. That's like not why we're here. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll just give another plug for Bates Motel because Bates Motel is one of those shows that does not do that. Okay. <laughs> it actually gets better each season. So sorry. I just always have to plug that show because I think that show is the, one of the best written shows ever on television. Wow. So plugging it again. That. It's on Peacock, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, well, let's talk about race in this show, because, of course, we have a lot of representation, 
but that doesn't necessarily mean it's always great. So I want to talk about that. How do you think? And then we'll talk about the death of um, Pusey, because I think that's very important to talk about that. Um, so, Aaron, how do you think this show handled race in general and representation in general? I'm torn because I think there was a lot of representation in, in general. It was it overall was better than most shows. It I was shocked to find out that out of the 16 writers on the show, there was not a single um, black person in the writers. So that makes it like more uncomfortable to me that they were writing all of this stuff. And it was like um, 14 white people, one Latino and one Asian person was the makeup of their writer's room. Um, and obviously Gingy Cohen is white. So I don't know. That just made it weird to me, but I think a lot of this probably was written for a white audience. And a lot of this was to make a point to white people that this stuff happens outside of your little bubble and you need to be aware that stuff like this is happening to people, uh, especially once they kind of like jumped on the Black Lives Matter train. I think they kind of exploited that for entertainment purposes. Not to say that it wasn't important and it didn't get that information in front of a whole audience that probably never would have been exposed to that if they hadn't been watching this show. Um, so I think it's it's good, but some of it made me uncomfortable that all this was written by white people, essentially. I don't know. It made it weird. I think, yeah, some of the stuff that they did to characters seemed almost like to make us love them and then to crush us, <laughs> which had to have just been, I don't know what their purpose was. We'll talk about Pusey, but I don't know what the purpose of that was. I think overall it was good. I think it was a lot of it, especially in the later seasons, once they had the audience that they were trying to make a point to people and they might've gone a little too far. Um, I think some of the ways that they handled some of the characters kind of made a caricature of stereotypes, maybe um, not to say that that doesn't happen, but you know, they took stuff to the extreme, but they did everything to the extreme. That's like kind of the MO of the show is to do everything Mm -hmm. to the extreme but i think overall it was it was great and it probably brought a lot of awareness like you said they made the the Pusey washington fund which i think was great and got a lot of a lot of traction a lot of donations from fans and stuff which did a lot of good yeah so you know being a privileged white woman <laughs> when i first started watching this show it was interesting because i remember being like why are they separating these women by race? Wouldn't it be better to integrate when they all just get along? <laughs> Not quite that bad, but you get the idea. <laughs> you know, and it wasn't until after this show brought it to, to my attention that I learned that that's actually standard practice at prisons to separate people um, by race uh, because it can, you know, keep it keeps the peace. It keeps people from infighting over race and gangs and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I find that I had this sort of idealistic view of, you know, if you just put people together, they'll learn about each other. <laughs> um, so I, I did love it in situations where the, where the characters do get to cross those lines, like uh, Tiffany and Suzanne and their, their friendship and that kind of stuff. And um, I also loved, how the ladies that had come from the camp once they were in the max uh, 
unit, like in the later seasons, they still, you know, primarily hung out with their, with their own folks, but you know, like when the, when at Piper and Alex's little wedding, uh, Cindy came in and was like super happy for them. So there was a lot of, um, you know, they they bonded over being in the camp regardless of race. So I, I kind of liked that. But I the show, I think one of the things that it did was it exposed the privilege um, that skin color has even even in a prison situation where everybody there is guilty of a crime of some sort. But, you know, Piper coming in as, as this pretty blonde middle-class woman um, is treated better uh, than the women of color um, and by the people who run the prison. Like I remember Healy, you know, kept trying to give her privileges and she was like, she was almost like, stop because you're, you're singling me out. Um, so it kind of brought that to to attention how how privileged people are even in even in a situation like that. But I also noticed that it isn't even just strictly on race lines that um, it's there's a, a class you know there's like these class cliques as well. You know what I mean the 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 white trash girls. Oh my gosh, they were absolutely the worst. <laughs> Uh, but you know, they all kind of hung out together and yeah. So I I don't think it was just on, just on race that, that people segregated, but also Mm -hmm. along the lines of class. But I think it's also, and I guess this is race comes into this. Of course, I think the whole show itself is just a really important like commentary on the damage of the whole for-profit prison system and how terrible it is. And it absolutely preys disproportionately on, on people of color, you know, private prisons don't rehabilitate. Uh, They are incentivized to just stay full and cut corners. And again, it, it affects people of color by far, you know, disproportionately. Oh, and by the way, if anybody hasn't seen the 13th on Netflix, do go go watch it. It's a fantastic documentary about how the modern prison system in this country, the for profit system is is just modern slavery. It, it's super important. It should be like required watching for everyone in the last season. Uh, the storyline surrounding the uh, the deportation of illegal immigrants was absolutely gut-wrenching. Maritza, I, I will never forget her story. Like, I, I'm like teary just thinking about this poor girl who didn't even know that she wasn't born here, who knows nobody in Colombia and is just shipped off with, with no, con- no concern of that whole history. Like, she's lived her whole life here. Uh, it's just, it's just heartbreaking. Um, and then I, I can't remember her. She was a new character in that final season, but the one who had to leave her children oh, yeah. and then died, probably died, I think in the middle of the desert because she got left by the coyote. I mean, it was just, just, just heartbreaking. So I'm glad that they did take that last season to focus on, um, to bring that whole story in of, of, 
prisons for illegal immigrants and housing them and how how terrible it is. Um, I just think it was another way for them to use their platform to, to make another statement. Yeah, I agree. I think actually compared to how they handle Black Lives Matter, I think they handled that a lot better. And I don't know if it was because they maybe they learned something from the way they did the Black Lives Matter storyline, or maybe it's because I don't, I don't know. They, I just think they handled that a lot better. And the fact that they also showed that it is true that children also had to stand trial and had to be asked if they had a lawyer, if they understood what was going on and having that kid say, can I just use the bathroom? And they have no idea what's going on. Awful. (laughs) Yeah, it was absolutely horrible and horrific. And the ice security guard or whatever that, that, jackass that absolute scum and just watching how basically all of these people were treated as inhuman was so hard to watch but i think it's important that we realize that that's the reality of what is hap- what is still happening and it's important that we know that because i think if you don't have a human face to it i think it's really easy for people especially white people to be like ah oh, that's not my concern. So I think it's important to put a human face to that and to show that. And to me, it didn't seem like trauma porn, you know, because sometimes this can go into trauma porn territory. And it didn't feel like that to me. It felt a lot more real. And I think it was one of the better storylines of season seven. It was very hard to watch and very painful. And every time, you know, you'd have empty beds and you knew that that probably meant people were being deported and into countries, like you said, they might've never lived there ever, ever been there maybe one day, if even that. And also may have been going back to a country that basically where that would be their death sentence. And that's even, it's just sad. It's just really heartbreaking because I think too often in America, we think we're this very beautiful, welcoming, open with open arms country and we're not that way. That's what we aspire to be. And we've never really been that person. We've never really been that beacon on the Hill um, that we say that we are. There's all these problems that a lot of us don't know because we're privileged or because we don't grow up knowing that, or because we're not taught that in schools. And I agree on the 13th documentary. I think every school should require that. That should be required learning in elementary school even. I mean, it's so important because that is how they kept slavery going. So it's just really, really important to watch that documentary. Can't recommend it enough. So, yeah, I think that's very important. Does It, it doesn't surprise me that there are no Black women in the writer's room and it shows with the way they handled some storylines, which is the storyline we're going to get into here. And that's why it's so important that you don't just have representation in front of the camera, that you have representation behind the camera, because that is also what makes the difference, because it's great that there's so much representation in this show. That's really is beautiful in front of the camera that there's so much. But if you don't have it reflected behind the scenes as well, then it's kind of just like, breadcrumbs it's kind of just like a token like here well we're doing good because of everybody in front of the camera but we're still going to have the same problems behind the camera so and it also shows in the storytelling and you know a lot of people say well why can't you know why can't white people tell the same stories well it's because we don't know the same stories we don't live the same stories and it's important that people get to tell their own stories as well so that's why i want to move into 
the storyline that made me leave this show and stop watching this show. And a lot of people stopped watching this show after this happened. And um, the character, and there's a couple of reasons why this death is so egregious. Uh, the character of Pusey Washington was murdered by a guard and basically was, and don't worry, I'm going to put trigger warnings for this because I want people to know we're going to be discussing this, but she was, he kneeled on her until she died and it ended up leading to a riot and all this other stuff. And it was a way the show was trying to show the Black Lives Matter movement and showing police killing Black women and um, showing that. But it, anyway, I just want to get I'll get to my thoughts in a second. Erin, what are your thoughts on the way they handled this? I don't like it. Um, I think that sums it up for everybody. God, it was so terrible. I just... Two things that really upset me is that they built up this character and made us love her and then they killed her for like no reason basically um but also the other side of they made that co bailey like this sweet lovable guy and they gave you the whole backstory of like oh but he's just a sweet little kid that doesn't know what he's doing and no that that's not that's not the point of any of this and that's not fair and i I still don't know if they've ever even answered why they chose that specific character to kill off because there was plenty of other people in the prison that if they're going to kill somebody, they could have killed. I just don't understand why they killed Pusey because she w- I mean, I don't know. I should have expected it because the sh- that's what the show does is constantly just like let you down. I am. I don't, I'm an optimist. I want to see shows where good stuff happens. And that's kind of, I mean, I did stop watching after that too. Um, I was really upset. And then that was the end of the season. And I watched, I think two episodes into season five. And I was just like, this is stupid. I can't do it anymore. And I didn't watch it um, until the beginning of quarantine, I think. And whenever there was like nothing left to watch, I was like, fine, I guess I'll watch the other three seasons of this stupid show that I hate now. (laughs) So, but yeah, no, I just, it seemed, and even the last three seasons too, just like nothing good hardly ever happened to anybody, but especially that just seemed like the beginning of the end of the show to me of it's like they just let something good happen to these people and they, they just kept piling it all on and I'm not sure why but I don't understand why it had to be her and why they had to try and humanize Bailey it that was not the point that they were trying to make and I think they totally missed the mark there and Judy your thoughts on it 100% agree with the with the Bailey thing um, that was one of the problems that I had with it ha- Killing off Pusey, a character that they had built up as one of the best characters on the show, most loved characters on the show, um, the one that everybody could could relate to and root for and cheer. I almost get that. If you really want to pack the biggest punch, make the biggest impact, and really like gut punch your audience into saying, look, you know, the one of the most valuable people, most most lovable characters that, that you love the most can be taken 
you know, just just as is happening on the streets. I can al- I can almost understand that. But to me, what what made it what took that impact away was them making it be Bailey. There were enough awful COs uh, that they could have, you know, they could have had that one of one of them be the killer, um, and and not Bailey because, like you said, it, it's all the you know it was an accident. This poor guy. And the truth of the matter is, most of these. Uh, I mean, sometimes they do have remorse, but most of the ones that we are seeing, these cops that are that are killing people of color, there's no remorse. There's no guilt. I mean, I don't know if you remember looking at Derek Chauvin's face when when that guilty plea was he was in shock. Like, how could they possibly find me guilty of killing the person that I killed? Like he had no no remorse. He was just just shocked. Or even locally here in Aurora, Colorado, the the cops that murdered this young man who was Elijah McClain, who was just walking home about two years ago, that happened. And then just last year, these cops were put on leave. I don't know if they were fired or not, but they were put on leave for going to the place, the spot where this young man was murdered and texting gleeful pictures to each other about it and just making fun of the fact that they took this young man's life for no reason at all. So to make it seem like, you know, the cops that are killing people are, you know, just the sweet, innocent, oops, I made a mistake and now I'm super remorseful, I think took away from the impact that should have been made um, by, by the story. Uh, So I think that, to me was the big, the big mistake of, of that story. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying with choosing Pusey because it would be like, you know, it would be able to show, you know, Hey, white America, um, you know, it doesn't <laughs> have to that be, you love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have to be someone that's quote unquote, a scary black person, right, you know? Right. Um, so I get that. But I think what also made it so horrible killing her was you also have on top of that, you have the fact that she was a lesbian and she happened to be getting into this pretty happy relationship. Um, I think they were still together at the time. And you do have that trope where if you have somebody getting into a happy relationship, it's it's kill, kill, kill your gays trope. And that's another reason I think it was horrible to have her be the person that was murdered because it's like crime on top of crime, on top of crime, on top of crime, on top of crime. And while I get that they were, what they were trying to do, I think they did not think it through. This was another reason they needed to have a lot of black people in the writer's room. They need to have a, they needed to have a lot of different voices in that writer's room going, Oh, maybe we should rethink the way we're doing this. Maybe we should have somebody else be the person. If we're going to show this storyline, maybe we should definitely warn people that they're going to have to sit there and, and watch this because I know for a lot of people, for a lot of black men and women, it's so painful to watch this now because we've seen so many videos and it is traumatic. It's like trauma and trauma and trauma and PTSD and just piling on. 
And I know a lot of people stopped, a lot of black men and women stopped watching the show because they were furious when it happened. And not even just the stuff that happened after and humanizing the cop the way they did and making him feel remorseful, which they could have still had him be the murderer and shown it realistically where he would have been like, I I didn't, it wasn't my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. And have all of his buddies come to his defense. And, you know, cause it is like that. It's everyone in that system is responsible because even if a cop doesn't murder someone, most of the people in the force know of all this stuff that happens and most of them don't speak out and do it or do anything. And so that makes you an accomplice to it, frankly. Uh, so that's why, you know, the police system needs to be looked at, revamped, dismantled, all that kind of stuff. I mean, defunded seriously, it honestly does. And that doesn't mean you necessarily get rid of police. It just means you look at ways to do it differently. You don't have them go on certain calls. Um, you know, especially when you're going on mental health calls, stuff like that, you don't have cops do that. Uh, but I know that's a different discussion, but I think it kind of plays into this whole thing where, it's this was kind of done like this show does a lot of times this was done for like a white audience. Like when we talked about Brokeback Mountain, I love Brokeback Mountain. I think it's a great movie, but in a lot of respects, that movie was made for a straight audience and not for a gay audience because it was basically like, here's this. You can probably handle watching these two men be together. So this will make it palatable for you as a straight audience And I think for this, it was like, we're going to be as shocking as possible to try and get to the white audience, but forget about our other audience members and not have a lot of care or a lot of um, reality there with the portrayal of the cop. Not the murder was reality. That was sadly reality, but the portrayal of the cop, like we've all said, was not realistic. And it was really like salt in the wound. And it was really just like a gut punch and slapping you in the face. And, you know, it wasn't necessary to do it that way. If you're going to do it, you don't have to do it that way. And that's why, once again, you need more people behind the scenes. I don't think it would have happened this way if you had more people behind the scenes working on the show. And it is why I left. I did watch a couple episodes beyond. I did see... Uh, when Daya shot the cop, I did see that part. Um, and then I think that's when I stopped watching because it was just, it was just like, I felt kind of dirty watching it. I felt kind of guilty watching it. It felt weird. It felt, uh, it felt insensitive. It felt like they weren't really quite getting <laughs> what was going on completely. It was like, they kind of were and kind of weren't. It was kind of like, um, in season seven, when Cindy is homeless and she meets that other woman and um, they're, they're sitting there on the corner and this other woman, this white woman drives by and she's the sandwich lady and she's giving out sandwiches. And though I can't remember her name, the woman that um, the one Cindy meets, but she said, yep, she's here just, you know, <laughs> giving out sandwiches to assuage her white liberal guilt. <laughs> And that was kind of the way this this felt, this storyline. It was kind of like, okay, yes, I, I I see how problematic this is. I see that this can this happens all the time. And I think there were better there would have been a better way to do it. And I think adding on top of it that they killed who they killed was also just it was just and that scene was so, so hard to watch. So hard to watch. That was one of the most painful, painful scenes of any television show ever. 
And she was the best character the show had, period. And it just, oh, it just still, it was hard when in season seven, when they had that flashback, when Tasty had that flashback. And when she talks to her, when she's, when Tasty's out of prison and then she's talking to Pusey on the phone, oh, that was even heartbreaking just to see her and be reminded of what happened and what led to a lot of other tragedy, you know, at, at the same time. So, yeah, that was, it was really, really hard. And yeah, that was why a lot of people stopped watching the show. But I will say, I think season seven was actually pretty good overall. I was pretty impressed when I went back to watch that. So, yeah. Okay. Well, the last thing I want to touch on, since it is talked about a lot, especially uh, in season seven, when they start shutting down the psychiatric ward of the prison uh, because of money, of course, is the way that mental illness is handled in this show. So how do you think they handle that topic, Erin? I have mixed feelings on it, as I do with most of the show, I guess. <laughs> Why am I even watching this show? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, God, I, I kind of almost wish I hadn't read the book because not that the book was super serious. There was parts that made me laugh also, but the way the show took things to the extreme and the way that they kind of made a joke out of mental illness of it's a serious problem. These people needed serious help. And I get that some of the inmates are going to not be helpful to their fellow inmates and are going to make fun of them and are going to antagonize them and do stuff like that. But the way and I'm sure it happens, but, you know, the way that the system treated them as well, it's just, it's not fair. Just the fact that it was constantly, like, not taken seriously. Poor Suzanne. And, I mean, even Morello and Lolly, I think, are the three main ones. But even sometimes, like, Tiffany needed someone to talk to. I will say that that time when they convinced her that she was, like, healing people... <laughs> was kind of entertaining for a little bit, but still it got out of control quickly. I get that this is the reality, but also again, I'm like an optimistic, hopeful person and I wish that they had done something for them. They deserved better, I guess. And I know that that's, again, the point of the show is to make people aware that this is happening. Um, but I wish that they had, taken it full circle and got everyone the help that they needed and shown that this is what we need to do. And this is the new beautiful world that we're going to help everyone with mental illness instead of just let them rot in a prison. Yeah. I mean, that's a nice thought, but that's not the show. You know what I mean? The show right. shows the, the ugly side. Um, and there's, there's a lot of, of, of ugliness when it comes to how, people with mental illness uh, are treated. I think it got better. Um, you know, season one, when, how long was it before we even knew Suzanne's name? She was crazy eyes for a season, mm -hmm. you know? So um, I think they definitely got better and they really humanized um, the people that, uh, the, the main people that had mental illness. But I, I, I did think that they exposed how little help they get 
they're often sent to shoe, you know, if, if they act up in some way. So instead of getting them real help, it's, it's isolating and probably causing things to be even worse. You know, people that were on medications weren't, weren't kept on them well, um, budget cuts and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, you see that the prison counselor is Healy. <laughs> it's a complete joke. You know, in, in, in a women's prison, I, I just think that the, the women probably need a, a female counselor, somebody who they can um, feel more safe and more relatable to. I mean, uh, obviously, a counselor is not going to be able to relate to a lot of their situations, but a female could certainly do better than Healy did. I think that, you know, so many of them, um, like we talked about in their backstories, were victim of some sort of domestic abuse, rape, uh, sexual abuse of some sort. So, you know, beyond the ones that had probably a diagnosable, you know, mental illness almost all of them had some sort of trauma that they could have used uh, some counseling for to help them deal with their past and be better ready to deal with the real world when they get back out. Um, so it's a shame that we don't, but again, this show is, is trying to expose the fact that we don't is trying to expose the brutality of, of our prison systems. And, um, it's sad and heartbreaking, but I mean, that's what, that's what we see. There's so much, so much mental illness, you know, far beyond the, the three characters that we, you know, have specifically called out. So many of them are dealing with their own trauma from one thing or another, but uh, prison is definitely not what helps them. <laughs> yeah. And I'll speak from the point of view as someone with someone who has a mental illness. Mm -hmm. I know personally, I know, when I was a teenager and when I was first hospitalized, because when I was a teenager during that time, during the late eighties, early nineties, this was actually an epidemic, honestly, that was happening. Teenagers were constantly were hospitalized a lot. And a lot of it was their parents didn't want to deal with them. There would be uh, teenagers and young kids in there. And I've, I've met them who did have serious mental illnesses, but most of the kids in there were in there. Maybe they ran away from home or they something like that. And when you first get into a system like that, it, it's based a lot on money, first of all. And so are prisons. And so you're in there until your insurance runs out and then you're magically cured and OK. And usually you're 10 times worse when you get out. That was the case for me. I was misdiagnosed for years. I was not diagnosed correctly until I was 30 years old. So this was when I was like. 14, 15 was when I was in there, but I remember feeling suicidal since I was a little kid. That was always something that was in the back of my head was, oh, okay, well, I can kill myself if this doesn't. That was the logical thought in my head. And I didn't always understand what that meant, but that was just something always there. And my mom was told, I'm very, once again, I'm so grateful for my mom because I honestly think if I didn't have my mom, I wouldn't be alive today or I would be in prison, or I would be in a state psychiatric facility, or I'd be homeless, any of those things, because they misdiagnosed me and told my mom, they said to her privately, say goodbye to the daughter, you know, she's gone, you're never going to see your daughter, the daughter, you know, she is going to be at the time it was, um, which it's closed down now, but Fort Logan here is the, it was the big state facility. 
um, and said she's basically going to probably be in there in and out of there her whole life. And that's going to be her life. And luckily, my mom researched and luckily I had the mom I have and she didn't listen to them. And I was put on heavy, heavy drugs where I was basically in a state of just lying in bed all summer was what I did one summer. Um, you know, I know that all the different medications I've been on have probably messed me up physically a lot. So I under so for me, it's always personal when I see this portrayed because it's so rarely we did that on our mental illness portrayals episode and mental health and films episode. So we just focused on film and that one. So it's so rare that it's ever, ever done accurately or that there's ever anything positive or that there are ever any, like they steer clear of tropes. And while this show is very accurate in the fact that the way we treat people with mental illness is a crime because we basically don't see it in the same uh, frame of mind as cancer because I ha I have something in my mind that is literally tr wants to kill me, literally wants to kill me. I mean, that's, I mean, what I have, it has one of the highest suicide rates. It's just, it does. It's something that I have to fight with and struggle with is my brain wanting to kill me. But that's not something, I mean, you know, you can do brain scans, whatever, but that's not something that someone can usually see unless you're having an episode or something. But even then people steer clear of that. So it's treated a lot differently than say cancer would be treated or anything like that. And so I think it's good that they were showing that. It's just hard sometimes when the only characters that you see are characters that they're showing it to such an extreme that they almost become caricatures. And I think that happened sometimes on this show. Uh, I think Suzanne is a beautiful, wonderful character. And I think Uzo, how do you say her last name? It's like Udoba or something. I, I, yeah. I can never, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm so bad at pronouncing these. But yeah. I think she's she's amazing. And I think she does a wonderful and beautiful job. I think she's a great actress. I think she's one of the best performances on the show. And I think Lorna's character is, is interesting to watch. And I guess it's because it's in a prison. So it makes sense that they're going to show very extreme versions of mental illness. So I get that. It's just sometimes it's just hard as a person who has a mental illness when the portrayals you see are all to the extreme because that's not always the case. So that is hard personally. I will say personally, it was hard at times to watch that because as someone who lives with that and who has to struggle with, I'm getting better at because I'm using this platform to actually speak about it. And it's very hard and uncomfortable for me. And I get nervous every time. So I, I'm glad that I'm able to do that to show people that, you know, hey, I'm living this productive life and I'm able to do this and everything is OK. And yes, I have my bad days and stuff, but I'm still managing. And, and it's so, OK to talk about it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's OK to talk about it and it's OK to seek help. So while I understand why they're showing the extremes in here, it's just hard personally. I'm not faulting necessarily the show for that, honestly, because I think that's more reality than anything else. And I think the fact that they showed that the prison was going to shut down the psychiatric ward of the prison and they didn't care at all about the people there and they wanted to get the cheapest drugs and some of the drugs she's mentioning, I have been on some of those drugs. And let me tell you, that's like, boom, you are knocked out and you are not a human being anymore. You're just 
a zombie. So it's sad to me. It's very heartbreaking. And it's honestly, I think it can be very triggering to watch because I know that therefore, but the grace of my mother, <laughs> that could easily be me. So, yeah. So I, I think it's a good thing of looking at the fact that we treat people with mental illness like they're trash and like they're disposable and like they're not human beings and like they're infants. A lot of time they're treated like little children, which you see that a lot with Suzanne in here, that she's treated a lot like an infant child. And uh, so I, I, while I think it's good that they're showing that side, it was, it was hard as a person with a mental illness to watch this show sometimes because I was, I always wanted to say we're not all, you know, we're not all on the edge all the time, but I understood at the same time because I've known people on the edge, a lot of them. So I've had to cut people like that out of my life. So I understand, but at the same time triggering. So, yeah. One good thing though, is I did use, I, I, I did like seeing that over the years, Suzanne became accepted into her yeah. little mm-hmm. clique and, and just really loved um, by like Cindy and Tasty and and even Tiffany, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and I cannot remember the the old older lady's name, but you know she she became really accepted and loved, and and they understood that she had a mental illness, and they they loved her and tried to kind of take care of her where they could as much as they could in the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I will say that I did appreciate that. I did appreciate that they started calling her Suzanne and Mm -hmm. left the name behind. I did appreciate that a lot. And uh, I appreciated the way she was treated, the way they showed her after um, Tiffany died, because it would have been very easy to show her like go off the edge and become, you know, and I'm glad they didn't do that. And I'm glad she held that memorial service and all that stuff. I thought that was really, really cool. And I liked the fact that uh, she had some moments where she was like, wait, I don't deserve to be here. I do not deserve to be here. And I like that, that they gave her that. Her mother. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And I like, I appreciate the fact that they gave her that a lot. Uh, I, you know, Lorna to me is, is in some ways more heartbreaking just because she never really got any kind of healing. She just got worse and worse and worse. And yeah. So yeah. Okay. Well, lastly, I just want to ask what everybody thought of the finale. Just Aaron, did you like it? (laughs) No, of course I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, after all that i would just i i should have known better but i was really expecting like hoping good things to happen and just like more more bad things kept happening i don't know i mean a couple of people i guess got okay endings i mean it's nice that sophia got her salon and but we didn't get to see it hardly there was a lot of bittersweet moments like blanca finally like got her green card back she won her court case but then her boyfriend got deported and she chose to go back to be with him which was nice that they could be together but still it wasn't fair um maritza got deported like cindy was living on the streets all it it was just like one thing after another of bad things happening and then piper goes to ohio which is whatever (laughs) she deserves that they deserve each other (laughs) whatever i don't 
don't know what to they do with those two. They deserve each other. <laughs> I kind of like Alex. Like you said, not not with her, but I kind of like Alex. Like I like how sassy she is. But um, the one thing that was really sweet is like the the Fig and Caputo situation. Like the romance that we never thought we wanted, but they're awful and perfect together and just they want to do good but they're terrible people but they have these little moments and the whole thing of them adopting a kid was just like the sweetest thing like how come they get a nice happy ending and so many other people that we love still i mean tasty is is just there forever for something she didn't even do um so i was hoping that it would be better i don't know what i expected after the those last two seasons i i just didn't like anything once they went to to max it it was a different show to me and i should have known better that nothing good was going to (laughs) happen it was just it got to that point i think the same the same thing where a lot of people got with supernatural the later seasons just like well i guess i'll watch it because like i'm this far invested (laughs) that's funny yeah yeah Judy, did you like it? <laughs> I mean, I, I agree with you on the the Max season. That just that so whole, disappointing. I'm just yeah, disappointed. That whole after That's... they left yeah. the camp and went to Max, that whole season was just. I said it before, nails on a chalkboard. I mean, all of the guards playing that game. Um, the guards were just the worst. Like you, you didn't think they could get worse than porn stash, and they just did. <laughs> <laughs> that ginger woman, I couldn't stand her. And the, the the bald guy who, you know, probably has the smallest penis in the world. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. That was just an awful, awful season. I do think they redeemed themselves somewhat in, in the last season. I, I liked, you know, like I mentioned, um, the I liked them, what they did with the story of the uh, detention centers and, and, Maritza's story absolutely broke my heart, but I understand why they told it. Um, and yeah, the finale, yeah, it was it was unfair. It, it just is. You know, a lot of the people that got the happy-ish endings were some of the worst people, and the people that get the worst endings were some of the best. I guess such is life, and I guess that's what they're, the, this show is is about. I like Piper and Alex. (laughs) I have to say, I mean, I was definitely on again, off again with them, just like they were. But in that last couple of seasons, after they got prison married and and kind of dealt with some of their issues with each other, I I shipped them. (laughs) And I know that Alex was the one thing that did make Piper happy. So I can understand why she would want to go to Ohio and, and be with her. So I wasn't, I wasn't disappointed about that. Um, But then Tiffany, Tiffany's death, just that broke me. Oh my gosh. That was just the worst because what's the person who started out as one of the, just the worst, the worst characters. I mean, great character, but worst person. Mm -hmm. Um, grew so much and she even recognized her own growth. Uh, I remember there was a time when she said, you know, a lot of people get worse here, but I'm one of the people that got better. And it's, she was getting better and she got her GED and she even, after she broke out of prison, she turned herself back in because she knew that, you know, that's 
probably her better path and it it killed her and it's just yeah her death was just heartbreaking yeah i mean i guess that was to me i didn't hate the finale it tore all of my heartstrings in in the directions that you know some weren't expected some weren't but to me it it stayed consistent with the rest of the show i actually kind of liked the finale <laughs> Which is interesting to me because I had so many issues with this show. I, While I think it was heartbreaking for some, I think even for some people, even though they were still st- stuck inside, I think there was hope. Like even for Tasty, she found her calling that she is able to help others. And even though she is stuck there for a crime that she didn't commit and she's there forever and all of that, she still found a way to channel that anger and that grief into something that helped her and something that honored the life of her best friend. And so I think that while it's it broke my heart that she wasn't able to get out of prison, and I think she deserved to get out of prison, it made sense that she stayed there, sadly. But I liked the fact that she, number one, I was so happy that she didn't kill herself because even though I liked Tiffany a lot and I was sad she died, Honestly, if I had to choose between the two of them, I'd be like, yes, uh, take Tiffany. I'm not saying that I wanted her to die, but of the two. And I was just so glad that she decided not to kill herself. That was so incredible and so great and wonderful um, to see and to see her take the situation that she's in and turn it into something positive and something where she can be a role model to these other women. That was really great to see. So I really appreciated that. I'm glad that there is a Piper and Alex Shipper on the the podcast because then it's not everybody just, you know, ganging up on the two of them. So I won't say anything about that. (laughs) Um, I, and I did like that. Some people did get some happy happiness. I do wish Blanca had actually stayed in the U S I just thought it was kind of sad that she's, Shows. I mean, I understand she wanted to be with the man she loved. And I guess the point of that was she had the freedom to choose now. It wasn't made, the choice wasn't made for her. So she got to choose what she wanted to do, which was cool. I still kind of, you know, wanted something else. And I thought it was interesting to see the other prisons, to see the Ohio prison and to see the Florida prison and to see, um, you know, to see what happened to all the other prisoners that we kind of hadn't seen for a while. I thought that was kind of cool to see little snippets of everybody that we had, you know, grown to love or maybe not love, but grown to like through the years. So I liked that as well. And I liked uh, when I started crying was in the credits when you saw the cast and there were little outtakes or little them talking and saying thank you. Or uh, you could tell that this show probably meant a lot to all these actors. And I really appreciated that, that made me really cry. I was like, oh gosh, okay, I've got to record soon. I'm a mess <laughs> to meet in Zoom. But but I thought that was really, really beautiful because I think sometimes you forget when a show ends, it's not just ending for you, it's ending for all the people that are making this show. And that's a huge impact. This was seven years of their life, you know? So that's been longer for the people behind the scenes. So that's a pretty incredible, impactful thing. And I'm sure that was like a big devastating loss and sorrow. And I'm sure that some of them were glad to move on and not be playing the same character. 
But I just liked that they showed that. And that's what made me cry more than anything. Well, you know, and I think that they recognized that um, the show was breaking some ground and doing some important work. Yeah. And I think that they felt like they were, some of them more than others, I'm sure, felt like they were part of something important and meaningful. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's very, very true. I think that, uh, and you could get that. Like, um, I can't remember which actress it was who... Um, said thank you and you could see how emotional that thank you was and and it was and I, I don't think it was just a thank you to the audience it was like a thank you to the people creating the show and to the people giving her a chance to play the character she was playing and to tell these stories and so yeah that really made me made me emotional it reminded me of watching the the friends uh reunion thing that they did not too long ago when I was crying minute one uh, but I started really crying when they were talking to people who watched the show around the world and how they said the show literally saved their life. Oh. And it just shows you media is so important and entertainment is so important. And it's not just a frivolous thing. Yeah, it can be a good escapism, which is what Friends was for these people that it saved their life. Uh, but I think with this, with Orange is the New Black and with a lot of different media it's important and it can say a lot of things. It can change minds. It can hurt people. It can help people, all sorts of things. And so I think we too often can brush it aside as being frivolous entertainment. And this definitely wasn't frivolous entertainment. It was actually Mm -hmm. trying to say something. And at times it succeeded and at times it failed. But I think that's one of the things that I, I applaud this show for. And I know when I first started watching this show, I loved this show. Like I'll have memories pop up where I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I can't wait for the next season. And I just, I, I, I binged season one in like, I think like two days or something like that. I loved it so much. And so I think this show does do a lot of things really well. It does have some, a lot of missteps and stuff, but I do think it did break some ground and did push some boundaries in a good way. So I don't think all of it was in a bad way. So, yeah. You know, and they hired a lot of um, actresses who didn't really do a whole lot before, had very Mm -hmm. different body types, like women of color and everything. So they're probably also saying thank you for, you know, the opportunity um, to to advance their career, but also show such a rainbow of of people and such a different, you know, Mm -hmm. not a bunch of white waifs like you mentioned. Yeah, very true. I really appreciate that for this show. I really, really appreciate that because that is sadly very, very rare. Most of the people usually would look like Piper. So I so I do appreciate that fact a lot. Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to go ahead and close out and go around and have everybody say where they can be found. Erin? I am on Instagram and the Twitter. <laughs> Um, come follow me. I have like 17 followers. <laughs> I am at Geek and So. That's what I do. I geek and I sew things. Thank you so much. And she also, of course, I always have to plug that she does a great job with our Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> and Judy. Um, I'm my fandom presence is mainly on Tumblr at Angels Watching Over, all one word. And I finally started putting things on my Instagram. So I have that too. Um, that is Ballroom Blitz Geek, all one, all one word, no spaces or anything. Awesome. And I always, whenever I see that, I always get the song stuck in my head. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome. <laughs> 
<laughs> I start singing it. Um, and this is Aaron. You can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. And you'll notice that I'm happy because Carla started tweeting about Queers Folk again. So <laughs> I'm happy again. So now I'm active on that account again. That's mainly what I use it for now. Um, and be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. Um, if you have any feedback, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest, or if you would like to be on one of our Halloween weeks as a co-host, not as a contestant, but as a co-host or something like that, or if you have something to offer for that event, please feel free to reach out to us at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And tomorrow night, uh, since this is dropping next Friday, so tomorrow night, Judy, Carla, Meg, and Tanya will be joining me for a live stream. It's not going to be tomorrow night. I'm sorry. I keep saying that because that's when we usually do it. It'll be in the afternoon because I'm going to go see Lo The Lost Boys. So <laughs> it won't be at night, but it'll be in the afternoon sometime. Check our Facebook and Twitter pages for that. We are going to be discussing the fanfic 91 Whiskey. So you have a, you have a little bit of time <laughs> to read it. Uh, but go read that. It's a Destiel fanfic. It's only half a million words. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, I should probably reread it before. <laughs> I'm rereading it now, so I'm like trying to skip through chapters real quick. <laughs> <laughs> but that'll be interesting because I, it makes sense that we would cover a fanfic. I just never thought we'd be talking specifically about one. So it'll be interesting. So that'll be on our YouTube and Facebook channels. And then we will also next week, we are going to be revisiting Queer as Folk and Schitt's Creek. So I am very sad that I have to be re-watching my favorite show, Queer Smoke. <laughs> it's breaking my heart. <laughs> I'm not re-watching the whole thing, but I'm skipping around. But So that'll be a lot of fun. We're going to be focusing with Schitt's Creek just on the way the show handles sexuality. And with Queer Smoke, we're just going to focus on some different storylines. So since, well, it probably is too late to tell us now, but I was going to say, if there's any storyline you want us to try and mention, feel free to reach out to us. But until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. Thank you again for listening to It's a Fandom Thing. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Our logo was designed by Brooke Belly with cover art by Carla Timmies. Additional research was done by Megan Archuleta. Our Instagram and Facebook content producer and creator is Erin Amos. And our producer is Lila Tafola. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe. And remember, keep that fandom spirit alive. <laughs>